What's going on? Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Welcome back to the oh. Grace Podcast, episode four. Grace Escape. What did I say? Grace. Oh, goodness. Grace Escape. Grace Escape. Episode four. The escape is kind of the important part. Episode four, we are husband and wife. Yeah, I'm Justin. I'm Tiffany. Thanks and, for joining us. And I'm excited because uh, this is kind of a continuation of last week with your story of how we got out. Yes. Last week was you. This week is me. And by grace, we escaped a high control, fundamental, oneness Pentecostal church Yep, that we spent about 30 years in. Well, a little over 30 years. And today... I'm going to tell my story, how I got out. Yeah, I'm excited to hear your part of the journey. Yeah, it's all important. Thank you for joining us and listening, sharing, liking, subscribing, doing all the things. We appreciate it. Yeah, we've gotten some great comments um, on some of the recent episodes, and so we really enjoy hearing from you. Yes, thank you. It means a lot. And, um, yeah. And if you're joining us on YouTube, you can see us sit on the couch and talk. Yeah. So yeah. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah. You want to read our scripture? Yeah. We have a theme scripture for our podcast. It is Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. And it says for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God not a result of works, so mm. that no one may boast. Good, good scripture. Love it. And important. Um, you want to pick up where you left off a little bit? Well, I was just, I was wanting to um, just talk a little bit about um, that transition right after I made my decision that I wasn't going to go back to the UPC church. Mm-hmm. Um I remember just a lot of emotions that particularly those first few weeks and um, not not the feelings of loss because I wasn't going anymore, but more about the feelings that I knew it was going to be really, really hard for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And particularly because of the church group that we were a part of, I knew immediately people were going to um, think things along the lines of, oh no, Justin's backslidden Mm. um, and poor Tiffany. (laughs) And that is not at all how I felt. And so that's a hard thing. It is hard. to, To grapple with because on the one hand, I didn't mind so much that you were still going, although I, you know, of course my preference would have been for you to leave with me. Um, but it was more about the fact that my wife is now going somewhere where people think I'm going to hell. Oh boy. And although they may not say it directly to your face, of course. um, we know what it was like to be in the church and know people that their spouse, whether their spouse was not saved at all or had gotten in the church and had left at some point or the ones that kind of bounced it in and out, you definitely had a reputation um, because of that. Yeah. And it, and again, it had nothing to do with, you know, really had nothing to do with whether you had belief in Christ and the gospel. It really had all to do with if you weren't there every single time the doors were open, of course, you weren't, you know, you were backslidden. Yeah, and certainly not if you were believing something different. Yeah. So that was that was a difficult um, few yeah. weeks and, and journey forward um, until you made your um, decision to get out. Um, just knowing that that, you know, we're a couple. I still believe that your your journey with Christ is valid, and I'm not judging whether you're going to heaven or hell. 
Um, but knowing that the group that you were a part of was still doing that, Definitely that was, that. that was hard. Number one. And number two, just, just knowing how difficult, you know, putting myself in your shoes and thinking about how it would be to have to go to church and, and not have your spouse there because it's such a big, it's such a big deal. It really is. Yeah. And I guess picking right up from there is that I was very concerned about what people were going to think about you and about me and about us. Mm -hmm. And, um, shamefully I was mostly embarrassed, you know, because you, Oh goodness. It's hard to make a mistake in these sort of sorts of organizations, you know, just don't have a lot of, well, and in my Grace. case, you you knew very clearly that it wasn't, oh, I'm just offended or right. I'm upset or I'm mad at something and maybe I'll get over that. I, it was very clear my journey the last year and then my letter, um, which, of course, you didn't read at the time um, or yeah. let me read, you, <laughs> re- read it to you. Yeah. Um, but I think I made it very clear that I was... Yes, you did. I was drawing a, a, a line in the sand. Yeah, and I knew that you were. I knew that you wouldn't be back. So anyone that tried to talk to me about it, it was almost kind of annoying because it was like, I know my husband. I know he's drawn this line. It's not, he's not coming back. <laughs> well, and not only that, it was really my story to tell. And so mm. I did feel bad that you were going to be bombarded in a way with maybe people going, what's going on or. Yeah. yeah. I didn't have many, but just a few. And it was hard. It was hard too. I wanted to protect you too. I mean, you were my husband, first of all, but I, I was almost glad you made the decision and you drew the line because I understood there was so much air mm. and I mean, really a lot of dysfunction, you know, but so I was, I was actually kind of glad you made the decision. I, it was hard, but oh boy. Yeah. So, I mean, a few people asked me, but I, I just gave them general answers. You know, I said that you had been studying and really had come to the realization that you could no longer Basically, probably what your letter said, but yeah, just trying to get people off my back. I was, I, I was an introvert, so I didn't really want to have to talk to people about it either. You know, well, it's it's a very uncomfortable situation. It I is. mean, even even when we moved, and you know, you were still um, attending a UPC church. It's it's hard to, you know, when you have friends that are Christians or whatever to say, you know, my wife and I, we don't agree on the <laughs> same thing. And so we don't go to the same church or, you know, it's, it's difficult on both sides. It really is. Yeah. And, um, I think that we had a lot of grace towards each other, um, during that period of time. We did. You never, you never gave me a hard time about still going and, I don't believe I gave you a hard time about not going, you know, we just learned to cohabitate. Yeah. I mean, it was difficult at times because you would come and cut and express some of your frustrations, whether it be operationally or even with the content of what was, what was going over the, the stage pulpit, whatever. And that was hard. Cause I'm like, okay, you're, you're getting the fact that this is not, this is not adding up, but it's not enough at right. least at that point. So. Yeah. And unfortunately I spent another three years in it, but, um, it was a long, it, the whole three years was my journey because I really was learning the entire time and leaving the entire time really yeah it it took me three years to say goodbye and never go back but I was gone long before I left well yeah and it's funny because I think inside 
the inside baseball would be that some of those, some of the things that started stirring questions within me were really things that you mm-hmm. helped me um, think differently about. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, it's kind of funny that it, that it worked out that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Anyway, I mean, I, I looked up some resources and bought a couple books and things like that. How to, how to live with someone who doesn't believe the same thing as you do, you know, but I didn't read any of them. I just, I really spent a lot of time with the Lord and I felt, I felt like I was at peace because you were on your own journey, just as I was on my own journey. Mm -hmm. And if you needed correction, God was going to handle that. I didn't have to do any of that on my own. And the same for me, right? <laughs> because that eventually happened is that I, I'm, I, I left also. So I felt peace for sure. It was tough the first week or so, but, and like you said, we hit some bumps along the way, but not bad. So I just kind of, I would attend and kind of decompartmentalize myself when I would go to church or go to the events or whatever. I would just kind of. Did you feel the stigma of um, the, the, the stigma of having a spouse that was backslidden, like every time you went to those things or had you, was that a process where you felt like that kind of, uh, the events, if I, I tried to not go, I tried to not attend most of the events. Some of them I couldn't get out of because I was a leader. Um, and those were hard, but I would just busy myself. I would just work. So I didn't have to talk to people and, mm. <laughs> um, and then church, I would just slip in and slip out like as quick as I could. So I didn't have to talk to people. And I mean, there were things that were preached that felt directed Mm -hmm. at me um, or directed at the situation, the situation. So um, I'm good at kind of just letting that flow off my back. And, you know, I know you. So I knew that your heart was in a good place and you were still serving the Lord Mm. and wanted to serve the Lord. So I... I wasn't going to say you were backslidden. I wasn't, I couldn't. And I mean, it's kind of weird because I was a part of a system where that's the only thing you can believe because what they preach and teach is the only truth, quote unquote. Right. So you have to believe that if someone's not following that way, that they are backslidden. Yeah. And I think that was a hard thing for, for me to kind of, decompartmentalize mm-hmm. with with you still attending um but ultimately our relationship um was the most important thing to me making sure that we yes you know and when you're doing your best to serve god with your whole heart mind body you know and strength like you're you're going to sacrificed at times. And so I think we both did that well in our unique situation. And, um, that's not always the way that it works for everybody. Um, uh, if you don't have a strong relationship before it can be a very, very, very hard time. And I know several people who have left and their spouse didn't leave at the same time or hasn't left at all. And it, it's, it's very, very, um, difficult, difficult. And, and it's, and it's very hard. Yeah. We were, we were blessed on that front for sure. And I'm thankful for that, but, um, yeah. So I didn't really tell anybody that it happened, of course, but you had sent your letter to the pastor. So he knew and, he wanted a meeting with me. I think it was a few weeks after. And so I went into a meeting with him and his wife. And that wasn't easy because uh, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to disparage you. 
I, I, I knew you, I knew your heart. So mm. I wasn't going to sit in there and say that you were now lost and I don't know how I'm going to work in this marriage. You know, I wasn't going to do that. So I just, I think they were probably wanting some more information because your letter wasn't. It wasn't normal for someone that would leave. I don't think. I agree. And I think there always has to be something bigger than, oh, this is not right. <laughs> it's not biblical doctrine. Right. <laughs> and you called that out in your letter for sure. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't think they knew really what to do with that. And I understand that, but I wasn't going to be the one to enlighten them. So I just tried to be as summarized as I could be in the meeting mm -hmm. and tried to get out as quick as I could. So, um, anyway, so I did that for nine months really until you got a job across the States and we moved. Yeah. And normally permission would be needed for moves like that mm -hmm. in the, in this kind of church system from the pastor and it was nice that I didn't have to do that because you were no longer attending. So, And that might not be common in every assembly, but particularly in ours, it was right. um, over the years that we had been in the church, it was definitely required. Um, well, in a lot of cases, you wouldn't even ask because you knew that that wasn't Yes. Um, you were you were planted to do a work for that church and you know trying to go somewhere else would be thinking the grass was greener or right. um <laughs> you know abandoning uprooting yourself and um so it was never a question before for us. Yes, I had tried a couple times actually in my before we were married. I had tried. I had been asked to come and do music at different churches. And yeah, the answer was always no. Yeah. So they didn't get the green light, quote unquote. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, anyway, so we moved. Yeah. We moved across the country. And and how did you feel about that at the time? You know, I was really excited. I was sad to leave our families. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that was hard. But I didn't cry one tear. I was... I was so excited to get out of underneath the oppression mm. and the pressure that that church caused me for many years. Yeah. And I knew that it was my freedom and it wasn't my freedom from the belief system right away, but I felt a relax. Mm. You know? Cause I wasn't being scrutinized and watched every day either. So, yeah. And when we first moved, you didn't obviously have, hadn't chosen a church to go to yet. And so there was a little bit of a time where you were looking for churches and you weren't attending the same church in a ministry position or even just going every single, um, time the door was yeah, open and that felt really nice it just felt like i didn't have pressure i mean that yeah. it was just that's the word like it was i felt like a burden had been lifted off of me it was funny because going back to my old church i forgot actually the senior pastor was up preaching one night before, before we moved before we moved mm. but he knew we were moving he knew you had gotten a job offer and um he had to have known I was looking for churches because I was communicating with the main pastor about that topic. His son. His son, mm -hmm. yes. So uh, he said during his sermon one night, he just, he just hauls off and says, your husband got a job in another state and you haven't even found a church yet. Hmm. And I'm like, well, I know he's talking to me because this is small enough of a church that. Yeah. I and know how, that. <laughs> how many times did we experience that where we knew of things that were going on either personally or um, yes. with others that would get, you know, little digs would be said over the pulpit. Mm. Um, 
it's it's just so wrong. It's not a great way to deal with something. You know, yeah. I use air quotes. It it's just not. If you have an issue, you should be dealing with that privately. Yeah. And uh, it's very hurtful for the people that are going through those things. It's yep. embarrassing. I felt like it was very unfair. I was looking for a church. Yeah. So not only was it a lie, but it shouldn't have been. Well, yeah. And then you have others in the church that know that situation and they're going, they're judging you because of something that's said untrue, or at least inferred that that could be you mm-hmm. because it's a small enough congregation. You you're looking around and going, there's nobody else in my situation here. So it's gotta be me. Yeah. And, and I remember that a few times yes. in, in my life where I was going through a situation, very, very difficult, hard situation. And it was, it was clear to me that I was the one that was at the very least being used as a scapegoat to make their point. Right. And it is very, very hurtful um, to do that. Yeah, not only do you know they're talking about you or to you, whichever the circumstance may be, but other you know other people know they're talking about you yeah. too. And uh, I mean, maybe it's pride, but it just it feels very embarrassing, and you just kind of want to crawl in a well, hole. Well, that's that's things that should be discussed um, openly in a group. It shouldn't be again this power structure where you have you know the CEO of the church is kind of belittling and railing against people. I mean, there there were times um, I I think back as a young person where people were called out. Um, by name sometimes. And I remember as a kid just wanting to crawl under the pew and go, this is so scary. This is, you know, um, and yeah, please don't let it be me. Yeah. And it just, again, it just instills this fear that, oh my gosh, you know, I, you're, you're over examining, examining any little thing that you've done, because you're afraid the hammer is going to drop on you. And because they say that they get direct revelation or words from God, you know, um, you think God is directly talking to them and telling them. Yes. What's going on. Yeah. It's a real struggle in your mind to have to make sense of that. Uh, So let's see. I found an, I decided on a church after searching for maybe two or three months or so. Okay. And I settled in my mind right away that I didn't want to get super involved and commit to a bunch of stuff. I was ready to take more of a back seat and just relax after the 30 years that I had spent. Um, working my tail off for another organization that could have cared less. So um, I met with the pastor of this church and basically told him that, you know, he knew, I I told him about you, of course. Mm -hmm. And so um, he knew that maybe I wouldn't even be able to be as involved, but I made it clear that you had no issue with me being involved. I was making that decision that I didn't want to get super involved. I, I needed time. Little do I know that that helped me in the end make my decision. But the church seemed different to me than my home church. It was a lot more relaxed. It was less, it felt less controlling. Uh, the pastor and his wife were our age. Mm. And we even went to dinner with them a couple times. Yeah. I mean, I remember right off the bat, you said to me, the pastor wants to meet you um, and just communicate Mm -hmm. what he felt about um, your role in the church and, and just to get my heart and where I was coming from. And so that led to several different, um, uh, meetings where we just had coffee or talked. And I did think it was going to be different, um, at the beginning I did, Mm -hmm. you know, I thought, okay, this is good. This is not someone that has grown up, uh, with you at, you know, from a child and doesn't have the same kind of 
thoughts about you or the control issues. Mm-hmm. And so doesn't know your past. And he was also new to pastorship newer mm-hmm. for sure. So he was kind of navigating his own way too. So it didn't feel as, I mean, it was a little messy and chaotic, but it didn't feel near as structured and, um, it was a smaller church impressive. too. So it was it had a different feeling because of that. Yeah. And, so like um, even their midweek services were more of a round table. They went to a completely different room to do their studies in the midweek. Uh, it wasn't, just a normal church service like we experienced at our old church where nothing was different between that night and a, you know, the full blown services on Sunday. Um, this was more like round table. Um, People could actually ask questions. Yes. I was very encouraged by that. I remember you coming home and and saying that and I go, okay, well this is, this is positive things, you know? Right. But because I didn't have the pressure of, being involved um, and also not being monitored by the people that I grew up with and being scrutinized every time I was at church or if they saw me outside of church, I really started to relax and felt like I didn't have to perform. I felt like I didn't have to be at all the things Mm. and get involved with everything and do all the things. And so I didn't do all the things. There were a lot of things that I started letting go of. And at the beginning, that was that was okay with the leadership, right? It was. And do you it think was. that was in part because he was trying to uh, accommodate your situation? It felt like that. Mm-hmm. He may have felt like in turn that could have won you over. So do you feel like he, that was his intention um, from the beginning was to try to befriend me to see if he could figure out what my issue with the church was? Or do you think it was very neutral? Um, I, I don't think I feel comfortable really saying I, because I would never want to judge his heart. Yeah. I do know there's a pattern in these church organizations. So you, when you look at the big picture, which is something you've taught me to do, it had to have been because he was trying to hopefully find a path into. Yeah. I know there was, there was a clear point where I think, he must have gotten the fact because we we steered away from those conversations real directly the first few times we met. But I think as we begin to meet and like you said, we we went to their house and went to dinner with them a few times. Um, they were very nice. Yes, very. I, I have nothing negative to say mm-hmm. about them at all. I I just think there was a point where I think he realized, okay this guy isn't, you know, there's, he's clearly made up his mind and what he, and there were, there were certainly things that we agreed on as far as some of the dysfunction and and that sort of thing. And then I think once, uh, which COVID hit, um, shortly after we moved within a year. And so that really shifted the landscape of, of churches and what they were doing. And so, um, there was some of that going on at the same time. So a lot of discussions about, about that in the church. Yeah. I remember that. So, so yeah, I mean that coupled with the fact that I was starting to, I wasn't ever fully committing. Like I didn't go to a lot of events, stuff like that. I sometimes didn't even go to the church services. I think he started to realize that he was maybe wasting his time on, you know, trying to get a get both of us in and, you know, be highly involved in all that. So he kind of just But you did eventually feeling. get pretty involved. I mean, you 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 said that you weren't going to get involved as much, but then you did 
get involved in multiple ministries. But not to the point where I couldn't, I had to be there every service or even had to be at events. Right. But by the time you left, you were really, you were involved to where you were doing things every single service almost. Mm, Yeah. But that, that was, I mean, I think you've said before that was because you enjoyed doing some of those things. I did. I did. So do you think there was a shift once you started getting involved in those, those things as far as your interaction with the ministry or the church? Well, as anything goes, the more involved you get, the more of the behind-the-scenes stuff you see. And I was beginning to be just as troubled with how things were operated, um, operating as I was at my old church. So, yeah, yeah. I immediately recognized that though. And I started becoming less integrated. I was still doing all the tasks. And so that can, it can look like I was really quite involved, but in I was very separate in my mind. And by this time, I was already living kind of a different life at home. So, and I felt okay to do that because um, I was feeling like those things I had been taught my whole life. What do you mean by living differently at home? I mean, explain that a little bit to the, to the listener. I was starting to do things that I would have never done at my old church, like um, dressing differently would be probably the best. So you're talking about standards. Sure, yeah. Okay. And, yeah, going places that really I hadn't gone, like going to the movies or something. Okay. You know, that weren't, things like that weren't Yeah, standard, standards. So, um, and I, I didn't feel bad about doing those things. I also, um, started realizing that they weren't, they weren't bad and they weren't affecting my spiritual man. So I, um, so yeah, I started to relax. I felt like that's what I would label it as. I just started letting go of things that were put on me by this church organization that I don't feel like had any biblical basis at all. Mm -hmm. So, and I remember one day I, cause there was starting to be happy. There was starting to, a struggle was starting to happen in my head because not just because I was doing things that I had been taught were wrong, but also just because I was feeling a conflict about the, all the teachings in the UPC. And so I felt like I needed some sort of reset and redo. And so I just remember praying one day and, and I told God, I feel like I need a reset. I feel like I need to start this Christianity thing over and put you first Mm. in it rather than doing these three steps that, that put all the responsibility on me. Right. And so... I literally, you were at work one day and I just prayed to God, just kind of like the sinner's prayer, what they call the sinner's prayer, you know, just, I came to him like a child and I said, sorry, it's no, (laughs) I'm kind of crying here. We already pre-warned people and there's nothing (laughs) wrong with crying. Um, I just said, God, I believe in you and... I know that I have faith that you loved me enough to send your son to die for my sins and not just my sins in the past, 
but sins that I still haven't even committed. Mm -hmm. And please take this pressure away that I feel to perform. And Mm. I know that you already paid the price. You sent your son to pay the price for me. And because you love me, you're going to give me eternal life. And I don't have to worry about doing all the things perfectly. And I give myself to you. Please let the Holy Spirit come and live inside of me and lead and guide me Mm. as I walk with you. And I'm not even joking. After that, it was like a light switch. I started being convicted of things that I had never been convicted of before. Mm. And I'm not talking about because I wasn't wearing a skirt or a dress. Mm-hmm. It was things like I wasn't being loving to my neighbor. And I wasn't having self-control. Wow. Wow. And I had things, in, I had people in my past that I had wronged and I would have never thought to be repentive, repentant for mm-hmm. those things. And I was being plagued <laughs> by the Holy Spirit to make those things right. Wow. And I didn't feel scared to have to apologize and like humble myself and say, I was wrong. I wasn't scared to do that. Like I was ready to do that. Mm-hmm. So... It's so funny um, because those are exactly the same things that I felt at the beginning of, you know, when I exited and really started to read God's word um, without the UPC lens for the first time in my life and, and do basically the same thing you did, what, which is, this is, the gospel is the good news and what you've done for us is overwhelming and i remember feeling those things so strongly and i i I remember being a little overzealous sharing them with you because i felt the same way and the way that i it was like almost instantly like you where um the way that i looked at other people Mm. changed now that's not to say that we're not still that we don't still battle with the flesh because we do but boy now um, the Holy Spirit really does convict when when you um, when you when you let Him um, come in and and do the work in your heart. Yeah, and I didn't feel in regards to sin, you know, or mistakes that I made. I didn't feel worthless anymore. I felt I had a hope, like mm. I had a confidence that my salvation was in Him alone. Right. And I could depend on that and I could rely on that. I didn't have to worry about being on my best behavior anymore. Right. You know? So this is why it's really hurtful when people say that I left because you left. Mm. It's an ugly assumption to assume that I can't make my own decisions or that I don't have my own brain. (laughs) Yeah. But again, that's a group think mentality. Yeah. I understand that they don't. And I, yeah, I understand they don't know how I came to the knowledge of the gospel and how I encountered grace. Well, and it's not to say that my, that my walk and my leaving didn't play any role in that either. Of course, of course. You you testified to me. You were an example to me. You shared things with me. But I had I had my own experience with Christ and yeah. I I hesitate to use that word because well, it's it's hard because there's trigger words now for us. 
And so it's sometimes hard to use those words because they meant something different in the church we came out of um, than well, maybe the they mean. Well, charismatic church as a whole, too. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like... It's very much... They put experience over... The word. The word. Yeah. And that's absolutely unacceptable. But this is why it's important not to judge someone's walk with the Lord. Yeah. Um, or someone's heart because... I haven't had one person ask me, not one, ask me how, how my beliefs changed, why they changed, and what happened mm. and what my beliefs are now. Not one person. So how can you make the assumption that I only did it because I was following you? Yeah. You as in Justin. Well, I think that, uh, you know, the circle of uh, friends and family that would, they're not, they're not given that allowance to do that sometimes. And so um, I think it's a good time to just insert too, because I know that there's, there's the thought sometimes that when you share your story or in our particular situation, um, that we're attacking another group of believers and that mm. they're on their own journey. And I think um, if we haven't made it clear up until this point, let's reiterate that we are not judging someone's personal walk with, no. with Christ. What we're coming against is man-made rules and systems that add extra weight. They, um, they put a heavy burden on people yes. and they aren't, part of the gospel. Yeah, um, they're, they're unbiblical, period. And the New Testament makes it very clear that if you're going to add the law to your salvation, oh, you have boy. to add the whole thing. You can't just add some of it. And <laughs> I'm sorry, that mm-hmm. is not the life. The, the law was to bring a full awareness of our sinful nature. And the, the gospel is the hope that Christ lived that life perfectly for us us. and in our stead and took the and took and paid the price that that we would have been ultimately responsible for yeah we should have had to pay and so i think the other thing is it's 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 a wild assumption to think that because you've left a fundamental or a group that has this high standard um, there's just a lie and a fallacy out there that um, that living in Christ alone through faith is is a lesser belief system, right? And that that you threw you throw out um, his commandments because of that. No, we're still under the moral law of God and His commandments, right? And are we going to be perfect in that? Absolutely not. Yeah. But that is what we strive through, uh, strive for every day. There's a big difference between justification and sanctification. Amen. And there is, it's not a license to sin because you um, uh, don't, you know, don't wear a skirt every day anymore, or you don't cut your hair, or you know, yeah. other things of that nature. Like it, it, there's a there's a big gulf there. I think that. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm glad a, you said all that. Is a high assumption, and so thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing your story. Because I remember feeling the same way you did, and just sitting on our back porch, just weeping before the Lord mm-hmm. because of the overwhelming grace and that freedom in Christ that I had never felt it's before. Freedom. It's absolute freedom. And it's not a freedom to sin. To sin. It's a freedom. <laughs> it's such a joke. They say that it makes me so mad. It's just, it's so wrong. And it's, it's like, why don't you try it first before you even get up yeah. and say that anyway? Well, and I think during COVID when people weren't um, required to be in a church service every single time the doors were open, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people started questioning things because it's like, wait, hold on a minute. You told me if I wasn't in, in this building every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever nights you had it, you know, that you were, you were backsliding or 
possibly losing your salvation. But and now you're telling me that I have to register to go to church on Sunday night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously. So. Um, yeah. So mm. I started moving along, I guess, because we could rabbit trail on that forever. Um, I started praying God would help me to get out. I, I was already gone in my head, but I needed to somehow get out of this assembly. And that was going to be really hard. I'm a people pleaser and I don't like to let people down. That's really hard for me. I knew that. Um, Which is honestly, I think just to insert one of the reasons why I think they can't, one of the tactics of getting people tied to those groups are getting them so involved to where it's really hard for them to leave. Yes. Because they have so much responsibility in the church. Yeah. And so that was the only thing that I kind of warned you about maybe at one mm-hmm. point was you is did. if you get yourself too involved, then, you know, when you do want to take a Sunday off so we can go somewhere, it just makes it so much harder to do that. You're right. You're right. And again, some of these things, I have such a different perspective now on them because it it's it is all about making a production happen at least in the things that we were involved in it it was all about making this big production for for one or two days a week yes an absolute performance and i'm sorry but to compare a church service to going to a ball game or (laughs) whatever they like to compare it to um is just a concert ironically i know because that's really what most of the concert. worship services in, in, in some of these churches, again, we're not judging every single assembly, but the vast majority of them, um, it's just, it's interesting to see over our lifetime um, just how much that's changed. I was really going to ask you, um, in, in the almost three years that you were in this new assembly when we moved, did you see a shift because you said at the beginning the pastor was new, he had just assumed the role. Did you see a shift in him over those those three years? In his preaching, I did. Um, yeah, I did. He was starting to become, I felt like... <sighs> Very nagging? A little bit bossy, yeah, mm-hmm. about making sure people were following the... Yeah, I I mean, it's hard for me because I didn't spend enough time there for me to really call anything out. But I did definitely recognize the sermons changing to a lot of self-help and condemnation for sure because we just can't ever seem to do enough or be good enough for these preachers. It does feel like. Well, and I, I, in, in some ways I have a lot of, um, I don't know what the word would be, but I, I feel sorry. That might sound mm-hmm. bad, but I feel sorry because they put all that weight on themselves. That isn't necessary to fill the responsibility for all of that. And, um, so much of what the modern Western church is based on is a personality and it's so, uh, personality driven. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole service centers around a man giving a sermon. And so it's, it's filled with stories and, and personality and it's gotten so far away from even what, you know, hundreds and thousands of years of, services were like right and which was bringing a text forward and letting the word of god speak for itself now Mm. it's like you're you're lucky sometimes if you get i call drive by scriptures because it's just like you you zoom past one scripture or two maybe and and then Mm -hmm. you may not even hear that again those scriptures again throughout the whole sermon you know and so yeah it's very sad it's unfortunate. Yeah. So, so you have this experience, you, you pray. And, um, at that point you really felt a shift and this was, um, after attending and being involved for several years in this new, uh, a couple years in this new church mm-hmm. after we moved. Yeah. I knew I was ready to get out. 
and leave. And I, but I just felt like I wasn't going to be able to do it on my own. I really did. I felt so tied to, um, my fear of hurting people because I wasn't just leaving this assembly. I was going to have to be honest with my family Mm -hmm. also, uh, letting them know that I was no longer attending. And that, that means something. It really does. If you're in, um, if you're in a family where they all go to a church like the United Pentecostal church, it's, it's very much, um, you're all part of the same club. We've used that word before. And so, um, a lot of the conversations revolve around that. Um, it's always about what's going on in your church and those sort of things. So yeah, when you do make those decisions, you do feel disconnected. Um, because those conversations are very surface level after that. Um, and again, they typically, um, at least in our experience, there's not a whole lot of conversations around those things. Yeah. Because it's very awkward and. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's hard, man. It's really hard, but. So I remember telling God, like, you're going to have to let something happen that (laughs) will help me, right? Don't put the responsibility on me to do this. Like, you show up and do something for me. Well, it's amazing that he, he... He is our strength and our weakness, and yeah, um, he gives us a lot of grace. But uh, also, he's not going to come down and do it for you. No, you know? he's not. So, and I knew that. I was just dreading it. I knew it was coming. I was getting more and more antsy. Like I needed to get out. You know, I was just every service I went to was so difficult because I was so anti all the practices that were going on. You know? Yeah. So. And as your husband, it was hard because I remember those last several months before I got out and how just draining going to church was, mm-hmm. whether you're involved or not, at least for me, it was, I, I didn't find any strength at that point in the emotionalism um, and the extremism of the services. And so I, I would watch you, come home and just be in a a different space or mood or whatever from the services. And for the most part, it wasn't a pot, it wasn't positive. Mm -hmm. And that's always hard to say, okay, here, you're supposed to be going to, to get (laughs) uplifted uplifted or whatever they would say. And well, that's how it's supposed to be. Those gatherings are supposed to be that way biblically. mm -hmm. So that, that was just an interesting op- observation. And I remember feeling that way myself, so. Yeah. So I definitely changed the way I was behaving in these services, and people noticed it, I'm sure. And that was hard for me because I didn't want to cause confusion to, like, kids and stuff mostly because I remember being a kid and watching people change and not, maybe participating as much or being as demonstrative in their worship and not going down to the altar and sorts of things like this. And as a kid, it was hard for me because I felt like they were backsliding Mm -hmm. and it was like, Oh no, what's wrong with brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so like they're really not involved that much anymore. And I didn't want to cause that. And you had told me that you said, you know, you're not going to like what what starts happening. So it's easier to just <laughs> cut your losses and say bye. Mm. Yeah, and it and it's so unfortunate that it's all it's all based on just an external performance in a way, right? I mean, it is I know there would be people that say, well, then you just never really had the Holy Ghost. You really never experienced it. Um, but I just find that not to be true at all because there were many times where I, uh, prior to ever thinking I would ever leave this church organization or that there was any option to leave, uh, definitely giving 100% to 
all that that entails. And it never left me feeling better, Mm -mm. you know, particularly after a Sunday. Um, And so exhaustion emotionally, mentally, physically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I hadn't been going down to the altar for several months at this point where I'm at in my story. And I had a man come up to me after church one Sunday morning and he just said that the Holy Ghost had told him to come and tell me that I was in a state of rebellion and I was being very stubborn because I wasn't in in these services where the Spirit of God was moving so strongly and so intensely, I was not responding to that. And because of that, I was drying up and I was cold and indifferent in my heart and that I really needed to get that straight and get it fixed. What is it like, what was it like for you to to experience that when in your heart you had never felt closer to God maybe? Um, but but then have somebody tell you mm-hmm. that God told them that that was completely the opposite. So I didn't believe him at all, 0%. I had no fear, which was different than I had ever experienced because I had had people tell me nothing that severe because I'd never behaved that severely <laughs> in the church where I like wasn't going to the altar and stuff like that. But I had had people say things to me like, you know, you're going to get a husband if you just start living for God better. <laughs> and and there was fear when people would tell me that, things like that. Um, yeah, so, but I didn't feel any of that. When he, I almost, in my heart, was laughing because he was saying something to me so opposite of where I was at spiritually. Just because Well, and I, and I have to add this, it was so inappropriate. It was inappropriate. Um, because really the only, the only man that really should have been able to, in being part of that uh, assembly would have been the pastor and he should have done it with his wife. I think it was just so in an inappropriate, mm-hmm inappropriate for just um, some random other man yeah this wasn't a friend no (laughs) he had uh, it was based purely on observation so i don't put any stake in that i mean that's ridiculous and he was completely wrong Mm -hmm. so i i'm not a confrontational person so i just let him talk i should have probably called him out but i didn't and i knew it would be pointless anyway to right. like try to argue with him and say, hey, bro, you don't even know where I'm at. You have no clue. So back it up. I did not do that. And I just let him talk. I was trying to be nice. And I said, okay, at the end. That's all I said. Okay. And he thanked me for letting him come do that because, and that I was nice about it, he said, because when you do that to some people, they aren't nice to you, you know, because they don't want someone doing that to them. So anyway, I drove home that day from church and I just prayed and I said, God, that's, I, I thanked him because that's, that's what I needed. Mm. I was ready to say, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. This is crazy and I don't have to live like this. I don't need people judging my heart when they're so wrong. And I didn't want the confusion, like I said before, anyway, and for people. So I gave my notice. I sent an email to the pastor and to my direct superior in the department that I was involved in. And how'd that go over? That was quite 
easy, actually, other than, you know, some nervousness in my tummy because it was confrontational. But I just basically said that I didn't align with the UPC anymore and I didn't want to keep going and cause any sort of confusion for people that clearly think that me not participating in the services is somehow attached to my salvation. Yeah. So um, they were both very kind to me, obviously disagreed with my decision and they made that clear, but um, they were nice and said that if I ever wanted to come back, I had a family there. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was, I feel like it would have been very different at my previous assembly. So I yeah. And that, that. Uh, there again, I think local assemblies will vary in the way they handle situations. Mm-hmm. And so again, we're, we're telling our story, but please hear us out. If we say something, we're not making a blanket statement because I know there's, there's, there's very much generalities that they all fall under, but um, each situation will be different. Yeah. Um, so that's my story. Okay. Pretty much. I mean, nothing really happened after that other than complete freedom and a lot of pressure off of my shoulders just because I didn't have to actually attend and all that. You know, I had already let go of a lot of things before that, but it was just complete freedom. And I guess I would just say to those that are questioning or trying to get out or wanting to get out or in the process of getting out, like give yourself grace and give yourself patience because it can be a long journey. It can be a short journey. It doesn't, that part doesn't matter. Well, I know people that have been out for years and years and years and they still struggle with some of the the damage um that groups like this can cause um depending on the severity of your spiritual abuse or anything that made it might have happened to you in the church so i think it's very important to understand that you're not alone a right i remember thinking there's nobody else that thinks like i'm thinking right now (laughs) like i must be crazy i knew many people that left the upc but nobody that was saying wait these things are wrong but christ is bigger and greater and Mm -hmm. um i can still have a relationship with him outside of outside of mm -hmm. that one group that says they're the only ones um and so give yourself grace because you're going to have a lot of feelings and they're yes. going to be all over the place. But again, you're not alone. There is a lot more resources now. There's people that are telling their stories, have told their stories. Thank um, the Lord. And what's amazing is God still speaks through his word. His, his word is alive, alive. and living and, and you don't know how how much that is until that's all you have to depend on and you're not just getting force fed whatever. Um, and so I know it's hard for some people at the beginning to open God's word and read it without that, um, perspective, but there's, uh, there's also good resources out there and books that can help you understand that. Um, and I would, I would suggest, you know, getting, a version like the English standard version that would make it maybe just a little bit easier. Um, I don't recommend these um, modern interpretations of the Bible um, at all, at all. Um, You Mm -hmm. want something that is as close to the original text as possible. Yeah. The ESV is so the, and the, you know, honestly, the King James version is not the worst, but it's, but it does, it does have, some um styles of well it can be hard to read yeah Yeah. and so um and understand so i i think getting into the word of god and reading in context read the new testament like when you're reading these letters read the letters don't just pick out a verse and and not read it in context which is so much of how we 
we're taught to, you know, study the word of God is like, mm-hmm. look up a word and just look at all the scriptures. Well, you, scripture does interpret scripture, but you, you want to, you want to read passages in context and let the passages speak out, not, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, um, I understand that depending on your, your level of study and all that, that, that may be something you have to work at, um, for a while, but there, again, there's, there's a lot of resources and, um, reach out. Um, if you have questions, we don't have all the answers, but we can maybe help point to some of those resources. Um, yeah, absolutely. Just drop us a comment and we'll help in any way we can. If you have any questions for us, or if there's any topics you'd like us to cover, we're going to be getting into some specific topics, which I'm excited about. And, um, yeah, so anything else you want to add to your story that you've thought of? don't think so i'm sure there will be things that come up along our conversations that are like oh "Oh, i remember that it it is also hard because sometimes you're trying to lay aside the weight (laughs) (laughs) not pick it back up and And remember all the things so it, it it takes a little bit when you're you're trying to not only uh decompress or detox from some of that negative and when you've spent so many years in it it takes time to do that and so um we'll try our best to um bring those stories up as they come but i think uh our plans next week are to talk about some of the questions that you might have or you might get when you when you leave yes the, the church yeah as in one of these kind of churches. So, yeah. Yeah. So, well, uh, we've gone over our time probably as always. Sure. And so, (laughs) sorry about that. No. Um, uh, hopefully you've made it to the end. If you did, thank you for sticking with us and, uh, listening and again, share it with someone that you think might uh, be encouraged by it. Again, that's our, our goal is, uh, through our story and through some of the things we've learned, um, try to encourage those that um, may be on their journey in, out, or thinking about it. So, Amen. Okay, well. Thanks for joining us, and until next time. Yeah. We hope you have a great date, and uh, we'll see you next week. Next week. All right. Have a good one. Have a good one. Bye.